0: Turn with me to Esther chapter 5, verse 9, Esther 5, 9, and um, you know, the Bible teaches us that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow to the idol that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But Nebuchadnezzar, as he looked into the fiery furnace, he said, I see three men, and then there's a fourth. And he is like a son of the gods. Uh, I believe he saw the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ there in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm convinced that Christ is with us when we go through the fire. Uh, and Esther, as she is dealing with this situation, Mordecai's dealing with this situation, they're going through a time that's a fire, it's a trial, it's a difficult thing to endure But God has not forsaken them. And uh, ironically, in a book where God's name is not mentioned, we see the fingerprint of God everywhere we look. Uh, He is at work in their circumstance. And uh, we need to remember to be reminded from time to time that God is with us. And if God is with us, who can be against us? Um, The second part of Esther chapter 5 records Haman. Uh, going from the first banquet and he's excited he's pumped up he is charged because the king and he had been invited to Esther's banquet and he says there's nobody else in the whole kingdom that was invited to this banquet but me and he's he's uh doing a little chest thumping and he goes home and he tells his wife and his friends and he says look at all these things that's happened to me and and I'm being honored above everybody else and Uh, Look at all these sons I have. Look at all this wealth I have. He said, but I cannot stand that, Mordecai. He doesn't tremble before me. And so his wife, uh, uplifting person that she is, says, we'll build a gallows and then go ask the king to hang him tomorrow. And so Haman takes her advice and he prepares this gallows that's like 75 feet high for Mordecai. And then very early in the morning while the king is, uh, is having insomnia, Haman goes to the palace, and somebody tells the king, Haman is out here, and the king said, send him in. And what Haman doesn't know is they have been talking about Mordecai. Oh, you remember that guy Mordecai, the one who um, delivered the king by, by giving a report of the people that were trying to assassinate him. The king asks, what's been done for him? Well, nothing's been done. And this is the point at which Haman comes in. And Haman doesn't know any of this. And he walks in at this very moment to speak with the king. And the first thing out of the king's mouth is, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? And Haman kind of lifts his chest up. I'm using a little bit of imagination here. And he thinks to himself, who would the king want to honor besides me? And so he, he comes up with what, what he would really like to have happen to him. And he says, listen, you need to really honor this guy. Get some of the king's robes and put the king's robes on him. Uh, get the crown and put it on his head. Uh, get the king's horse and let him ride on the king's horse. And have one of your exalted people uh, carry that horse down to the streets of the, the city and proclaim, this is what should be done for the man the king delights to honor. And Haman's thinking, yes, finally, I'm going to get the credit I deserve. And the king says, go do this for Mordecai. Don't leave anything out that you have said. And I imagine his mouth dropped open. And he's, he's in a sheer state of fury and panic. And, uh, and he goes and he does as the king commands and Mordecai returns to his place in the king's gate, but Haman goes in great sorrow to his household. And th- I find this really ironic. He tells his wife and his and his friends, his wise men, uh, he says, Look, this is what's happened to me. And his wife says, Well, if he's Jewish and and you failed before him, <laughs> your doom is sure. She, I mean, she's really encouraging, isn't she? <laughs> and uh and right then, before he has a chance to think about it, the king's messengers come to take him to the second banquet. And, uh, and we'll get to that, Lord willing, next, next uh, well, a couple of weeks from now. But uh, uh, we need to remember that God is in charge. We need to put our trust in him in those circumstances that are difficult. Uh, the title of my message is Used by a Sovereign God. And we're going to talk about what God is can use look with me though at Esther 5 9 I'm going to read this scripture it says that day Haman left full of joy and in good spirits but when Haman saw that Mordecai was at the king's gate and Mordecai didn't rise or tremble in fear at his presence Haman was filled with rage toward Mordecai yet Haman controlled himself and went home he sent for his friends and his wife Zeresh to join him then Haman described for them his glorious wealth and his many sons. He told them how all the king, all how the king had honored him and promoted him in rank over the other officials in the royal staff. What's more, Haman added, Queen Esther invited no one but me to join the king at the banquet she had prepared, and I am invited again tomorrow to join her with the king. Still, none of this satisfies me since I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate all the time. His wife Zeresh and all his friends told him, have them build a gallows 75 feet tall. Ask the king in the morning to hang Mordecai on it. Then go to the banquet with the king and enjoy yourself. The advice pleased Haman, so he had the gallows constructed. That night, sleep escaped the king. So he ordered the book recording daily events to be brought and read to the king. They found the written report of how Mordecai had informed on Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the entrance, when they planned to assassinate King Ahasuerus. The king inquired, What honor and special recognition have been given to Mordecai for this act? The king's personal attendants replied, Nothing has been done for him. The king asked, Who is in the court? Now Haman was just entering the outer court of the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows he had prepared for him. The king's attendants answered him, Haman is there standing in the court. Have him enter, the king ordered. Haman entered and the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king wants to honor? Haman thought to himself, who is it the king would want to honor more than me? Haman told the king, for the man the king wants to honor... Have them bring a royal garment that the king himself has worn and the horse the king himself has ridden, uh, which has a royal crown on the head. Put on the garment and the horse under the charge of one of the king's most noble officials. Have them clothe the man the king wants to honor him. Parade him on the horse through the city square and proclaim before him, this is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. The king told Haman, Hurry. And do just as you proposed. Take a garment and a horse for Mordecai the Jew who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not leave out anything you have suggested. So Haman took the garment and the horse. He clothed Mordecai and paraded him through the city square, crying out before him, This is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried off home mournful with his head covered. Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends and everything that had happened. His advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, Since Mordecai is Jewish and you have begun to fall before him, you won't overcome him because your downfall is certain. While they were still speaking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and rushed Haman to the banquet Esther had prepared. Used by a sovereign God. What can God use in our lives? Well, the first thing I want you to see is he can use a wicked plan. He can use a wicked plan. Do you know we have an enemy of our souls who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy us? His name is Satan. He has a a host of demons that work for him. uh, And he is organized and he is plotting our destruction. But I love the fact that even though the enemy plots against God's people, God can take that wicked plan that he has and turn it around and use it for good. You see that in Job's life. Uh, You see that definitely here in the life of Haman. Haman has a wicked plan against the Jews, but God is going to turn this plan on its head, and what Haman is planning for Mordecai, that is the gallows, uh, is going to end up resulting in Mordecai being honored and lifted up. This is the power of God. He can take a wicked plan and use it for his purpose. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. you believe that? If God is for us, who can be against us? He even takes the wicked plans of men and uses them for good. The greatest wickedness that was ever planned was planned 2,000 years ago when the Jewish leadership decided that Jesus needed to be destroyed, and they made a deal with Judas Iscariot and said, tell us uh, when there's a time that you can betray him. And he he told them of the time in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they went and they arrested Jesus, and they had a kangaroo court, and they paid people to bear false testimony against him and ultimately pressured the Roman ruler there, Pilate, uh, to give him over. And they were successful in their plan. You ever look in, in the world and you see somebody, uh, a wicked plan that has success, and you think, where's God in this? And you wonder, uh, what's going on? Well, I'm sure that's what they thought when Jesus was put to death. But God did have a plan. a matter of fact, God took the, the devil's wicked plan and he so used it that he used it to rob the devil of people that were in his kingdom. What did he say in Colossians? He says to those who had believed in Christ, you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Jesus Christ, through what he did on Calvary, put his foot on the neck of the devil and defeated him and rose in power. God took a wicked plan and he used it for his purpose. So what can God use? He can use a wicked plan. Plan So trust God. If somebody's got a wicked plan against you, that doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. God can even use a wicked plan. Uh, what can he use? He can use a wicked plan. Secondly, he can use a sleepless night. I love this. Isn't it ironic that the night before Haman is carrying out his plan, the king gets insomnia? And of all the things that the king decides to do, I mean, he's got all, every kind of pleasure he could imagine... That he, any kind of entertainment that he could imagine that could be done for him as he's, as he's in insomnia. Doesn't have cable TV, but that was yet to come. But he has a lot of things he could do. And so, what does he do? He commands that the records be brought. I mean, that's kind of like reading the tax code, isn't it? You know, you're having somebody reading the, the events of the day that, you know, maybe he did this on purpose so that he'd get bored and fall asleep. But just so happens, when they open the book and begin reading, they open to the page that records, just a certain page that records, where Mordecai had reported the assassination attempt upon the king. And he says, what's been done for Mordecai? Nothing. What do you mean nothing's been done? If we don't honor people that support the king... We're not going to get support, we need to honor this man we need to lift him up and so God puts a purpose in the king's heart and he uses a sleepless night to do it. you ever had insomnia before and you thought oh, this is so frustrating why can't I sleep and, and you're 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 trying to get to sleep and you know you're bored and you know what can I do and uh what's the purpose of this and it's frustrating, isn't it i I heard uh a while back, of this young man who had this disease. And one of, the, one of the problems with this disease is he a lot of times couldn't sleep at night. and uh, he, he was very frustrated by it all and, and had been kind of discouraged by it. But one night he was on social media, and this woman, uh, this lady that he knew, contacted him on social media, and she was considering suicide. This was like at 2 in the morning. And he begins to have a conversation with her on social media and witnesses to her and leads her to Christ. Could God have a purpose for a sleepless night? You see, God can work even through a sleepless night. It was used by God to deliver his people. Sometimes when these things that are unexpected happen in your life, you might ask God this question, Lord... Do you have a purpose in this that I could cooperate with? Is there something that you would like me to do in this situation uh, that would bring you glory? Is there some role that I'm supposed to fulfill? Because God may very well have a purpose for that sleepless night. Uh, So, used by sovereign God, what can God use? He can use a wicked plan. He can use a sleepless night. Thirdly, He can use a forgotten honor. The king's personal attendant replied, nothing has been done for him. This is verse 3 of chapter 6. Nothing has been done for him. They had forgotten to honor Mordecai for saving the king's life. How would you like it if you saved somebody's life and you didn't even get a thank you? Would you, would you feel kind of frustrated by that? Maybe a little out of sorts? Um, I think probably most people, human nature would be to say, Good night, I've I've saved this guy's life, and he's not even going to say thank you to me. Well, there's no record that Mordecai was upset by this, but uh, possibly this has gone through his mind. They had forgotten to honor him. Can I tell you something? If you're a child of God, you don't need to worry about forgotten honor because the Bible says if you give a cup of water in Christ's name, you'll not lose your reward. And i tell you what, I'd rather a whole lot more be honored by God in heaven And to be honored by men on earth. Uh, So uh, we we can trust God with the the, uh, honors and so forth. uh, The forgotten honors and the forgotten thank yous. But God used this situation. In in Mordecai's case, God had a specific purpose why he wasn't honored. God knew that there was going to come a time and at that very moment... Mordecai was going to need the favor of the king. And he knew what Haman would plan. And so on the very day that Mordecai was was in danger, God caused the king to remember to honor him. What a wonderful thing. I love it. God used the forgotten honor to work in this situation to save not only Mordecai, but the whole Jewish nation. Wow, a forgotten honor. Who'd have thought that God could use that? So, trust God when people forget to honor you or when circumstances happen and you feel unappreciated. Know that God has a purpose for you and that God will honor you. Um, I love what it says in one scripture it's encouraging Christians to be diligent in their work. And it says, don't work with eye service. Eye service is men pleasers. That's what the the Greek literally says. Uh, But know that your Father in heaven will reward you. You see, when you work in your job or when you do something, have you ever felt like, well, why am I doing the right thing? Everybody else is not doing the right thing. And, uh, you know, this guy got a promotion and Look at this, and you know, and, and you can sometimes feel that way. But understand that when you are overlooked, God sees everything. And he rewards us. If you're faithful in your family and nobody else is faithful, God will reward you. And so trust God with the forgotten honors of your life. Used by a sovereign God, what can he use? A wicked plan, a sleepless night, a forgotten honor, an evil preparation an evil preparation now Haman had already had the gallows built but if you look in chapter 6 and verse 4 Haman was just entering the outer court for the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows he had prepared for him you see there was an evil preparation yes an evil plan but also an evil preparation Haman had it mapped out he had the plan he had he had all his uh, Eyes dotted and his T's crossed, and he knew exactly, he was confident that this preparation was going to be carried out. But when he takes the next step of his preparation, which is to get the king's approval to kill Mordecai, he walks right in, and the king asks him a question before he could spit anything out of his mouth, and says, What should be the king what should be done for the man? The king delights to honor. And Haman's preparation is turned on its head. God used the evil preparation of Haman to bring him there at just the right time to bring honor to Mordecai. Evil preparation. Um, sometimes, uh, I've, I remember in one, one church I was a pastor of, um, we had a, a couple of people in the church that, that were there's one individual in particular that was was causing a lot of discord in the church and and uh, one night after business meeting this lady goes up to him and I mean buddy she she ripped him up one side and down the other chewed him up spit him out picked him back up and chewed him up and one side and down the other again spit him out and and I want to tell you something this lady wasn't I mean she had she had been in the middle of some trouble as well but God used one person that he was displeased with to deal with another person that he was displeased with. And her preparation, I I feel like she had to be preparing this because, I mean, she had all this stuff in her heart and mind that she was just spilling it out on him. And, um, well, God used her to deal with that problem. He used the evil preparation. Sometimes we forget how powerful God is. That God can even use evil preparation. People for His purpose, God said, "Nebuchadnezzar is my signet ring. I've sent him to carry out my purpose." God said, "Cyrus the Persian will fulfill my purpose. He'll send the Israelites back to the land." You see, God's purpose will stand, and God can. I love. I love. Uh, I remember years ago when we were. This, this man that was an evangelist had come to our church, and he and I uh, happened, the topic of this other evangelist happened to come up, and I said, well, I can't say, he was saying some negative things about the guy, I said, I, said, I can't say anything really negative about him because God used him to bring me to Christ. And he, he didn't even miss me to look back at me, he said, well, God used a donkey to talk to Balaam. And I just laughed, <laughs> what do you, what do you say to that? I mean, it's true, isn't it? God can use a donkey if he wants to. That's God is God. And he's taking this evil preparation that Haman had made and he's turning it on his head to work his purpose. So God can even use an evil preparation a wicked plan, a sleepless night, a forgotten honor, an evil preparation. And finally, a prideful heart. A prideful heart. God can use a prideful heart. Look at verse 6 of chapter 6. Haman thought to himself, who is it that the king would want to honor more than me? And so he begins to rattle off all of these things. Haman is so full of himself, he's just sure the king's talking about him. As he went in chapter 5, he went home and he told his wife and all his friends, oh, look at all these things. No other person in all the kingdom has been honored as much as me. Look at all these sons I have. Look at all this wealth I have. Look at all these things I have. And he's strutting around like a peacock, tooting his own horn in pride. Have you ever been frustrated at the prosperity of the wicked? Perhaps there were some who saw Haman in his wickedness, and they thought, why would God let Haman prosper? But can I tell you something Sometimes prosperity can be a curse if it means you don't know God. Haman's prosperity caused him to lift his heart in pride and ultimately spelled his downfall. And it begins with, with this statement that he makes thinking he's talking about what the king is going to do for him. He's going to do it for Mordecai. But God used his pride God used his overconfidence and his arrogance for his purpose. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. God's not intimidated by the proud. I love what Psalm 2 says. He says, the kings of the earth and the rulers of this world uh, try to break the bonds of God and try to cast off his yoke. And uh, they're against God. They have a purpose against God. But he says, the one who is in heaven, laughs at them. He mocks them. I look at this and I see the mocking of God. Taking the very pride of Haman and using it for his purpose. God is in charge. He says, rulers of the world, kiss the son lest he be angry. I want to tell you something. Any person in this world who dies without bowing the knee to Christ will one day bow before him anyway and will face his judgment. God is sovereign over the hearts of the proud. He can even use the, the prideful for his purpose. You remember the proud Pharisee that looked down at Mary as she was breaking the expensive perfume over Jesus' feet, and she was weeping and, and wiping the, uh, his feet off with her hair, cleaning his feet off with her hair. And uh, he says, look at this, look at this woman. Why is he letting her touch him? Doesn't he know what she's like? What does God do? He takes the pride of the Pharisee to reveal a great spiritual truth. He who is forgiven much loves much, he who is forgiven little loves little. I want, to, I want you to know that, that God loves sinners. And sometimes he can use the pri- proud. Uh, to reveal that truth and uh, he says whatever this wherever this woman is talked about wherever the gospel is preached this woman will be remembered for what she has done and for her great act of love toward me Jesus appreciates the worship of his people even when the prideful scorn it I've heard people scorn the worship of God I've heard people scorn The word of God. I've heard people scorn the church of God. But I want to tell you something. God loves the worship of his people. And God loves sinners who come to the foot of the cross and find his grace. Uh, Praise his name for it. But God can use even the proud. He used the proud at Jesus' crucifixion, didn't he? Caiaphas and and, uh, Annas. And the religious leaders who were so proud and full of themselves. You remember when they smacked Jesus in the face and said, uh, How dare you answer the high priest in this way? And their arrogance, they were slapping the face of the Son of God. They were slapping the face of their Messiah. God used their arrogance. They sent Jesus to a cross, but actually they didn't send him. God sent him. They didn't volunteer him. He volunteered himself. He said, no one takes my life from me. I love that, the one gospel that includes the detail. He says, that even now, I could call 10,000 angels. <laughs> Nobody coerced Jesus to the cross. But God used the arrogance of wicked men to help the process move along. I want you to know God is sovereign. He is in control. In his providence, he works out the circumstances of life. According to his great purpose, nothing can stop his hand. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Used by a sovereign God. What can he use? A wicked plan, a sleepless night, a forgotten honor, an evil preparation, and a prideful heart. If God is for us can be against us let's pray father thank you for your word thank you for the hope that we have in you thank you for your supreme power and your absolute control over the circumstances of life thank you thank you for your providence lord in providing what we need when we need it in exactly the way we need it thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy that you showed to us at the cross. And thank you, Lord, at that moment that it seemed like everything was was in defeat, that Lord, you are winning your greatest victory. You triumphed in the cross. And Father, I pray that anyone here tonight, Lord, maybe maybe um, maybe somebody is discouraged, maybe somebody uh, has been faltering in their faith and they just need to come to this altar, Father. and. Uh, once again, say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you with my circumstances. I trust you with my problems. And I, I bring them to you. And I lay them at the foot of the cross. And I, I trust that you're sovereign. Uh, if that's the case, Lord, I pray that people will move and do that. Maybe there's somebody here tonight, Lord, that doesn't know Christ. And I just pray that they would uh, make the decision, even tonight, to bow their knees.